Get ready to step into scripture with Tina. Hey everyone, welcome to Step Into Scripture. My name is Tina Wilson. I'm a pastor's wife and a mom of seven. And alongside my husband, Matt, I've committed my life to serving King Jesus as a church planter, a Bible teacher, and an author. I am passionate about seeing people develop a commitment to reading God's whole word. And this podcast is designed to help with that. In this season, season two, we are answering questions that people present to us, listeners and viewers who want to know something about scripture, something they're reading and they Mm -hmm. don't understand. We believe the answers to everything are in scripture. Uh, The Bible, for the most part, really interprets itself. Right. When we have a question about the Bible, we can typically find the answer in the Bible. This episode will be unique in that we will talk about some science that accompanies the Bible and that is upheld by the Bible. And so we are going to answer the question today, why are some people born with disabilities? This is a great question that's been submitted. I'm very excited about this episode. So Stacy, go ahead and introduce yourself if you don't mind and kick us off here. Okay, great. I am also super excited about this. It is a it's something that's near and dear to us here at Ecclesia. Yes. So my name is Stacy Vines. Um, I am uh, like Tina. I am a Bible teacher alongside my husband. We are small business owners and founders of nonprofits here in our community. Our family is a plant family here at Ecclesia. We've been a part of it since conception and stepping through scripture is a highlight and a joy of my life. Many seasons of my life have been marked by uh, a read through, a Bible read through that I have walked uh, either with women or independently through. Uh, So this is right in my comfort zone. I'm thrilled to be a part of this and I'm super excited to step through scripture as we talk through this question today uh, that was presented on why are some people born with disabilities. And like Tina said, we're going to walk through and allow scripture to answer scripture. And then today we are going to use some credible scientific uh, resources, some insights that we know to be true um, that uphold the Bible um, and prove the Bible as accurate. So Uh, to get us started. We are going to start somewhere where we've started several times in this podcast, and that is in the book of Genesis. Um, And we've stepped through this several times here. We spent a lot of time in Genesis last week when we looked at that question there. So we're going to try to begin to answer this question, and we're going to start there in the book of, of Genesis, where it's where we get our foundation to understanding the creation, how God intended creation, the order of creation, and uh, what what works together, the family, male and female, work, sin, death, sacrifice, consequences, languages, all of these foundational things are found in the book of Genesis. And as a matter of fact, we're going to start in the very first verse to get us started um, on this creation path. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And while that sounds like such a simple statement, it's actually super complex, um, and it contains in these 10 words the formula that is defining it's the qualitative and the quantitative physical characteristics of the whole universe. Yeah. And so what do we mean by that? So let's break it apart and look at what these all represent for us in the science world. So in the beginning, you have time required for anything that is being create, created. Um, God created, there you have energy. What did he create? He created the heavens, which is space. 
and he created the earth, which is mass. So in that very first sentence, the opening line of creation, we get these four things, time, energy, space, and mass. The Bible gives us a six-day creation story, and here's where what we find. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. God saw that all that he had made was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So this concept, this pattern of very good is what we'll see all throughout the days of creation. God's very good creation included a man, Adam, and a woman, Eve, who he created with very good DNA, right? They were perfect. God himself called this creation very good. Then uh, we, and we see in Genesis 1 chapter, in chapter 1, verse 28, That God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. So their very good, their perfect created DNA sequences were created by God with the purpose. They were purposed and blessed to produce very good DNA sequences in their offspring to do what God said, to be fruitful, to multiply, and then to fill the earth and subdue it. They were propagating God's perfect image uh, as his image bearers. But as we keep going, we talk about this a lot, the fall of Genesis 3, the very first three verses we read, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. So here, God said one thing. The serpent, Satan, says the opposite. The woman trusts the words of Satan, and so did her husband who was with her nearby. But God's word was really what was true. So being deceived... They chose death. You know, we spent a lot of time last week talking about deceit and the consequences of deceit. All of the things that come with death are these, pain, suffering, illness, and genetic disorders. Forevermore, there is a breakdown in the human perfect DNA sequence. A mutation is, is an error that occurs during the DNA replication. So while we are being formed, we are replicating. Our DNA is multiplying. And when mutations arise, they can come from being passed down, errors being, uh, these mutations being passed down from generation to generation, from mother to, to child, from father to child. They can come from other factors like chemicals, radiation, infection. You know, Paul wrote a letter to the church at Rome some 4,000 years after creation. And here's what he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 22 and 23. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So from the fall, yeah. from this this deceit that led to the choice of of choosing death, choosing this mutation to enter in, this breakdown in what is very good. We see DNA being replicated, these mutations coming, and the consequence of those also looks like disorders, bodily disorders yeah. that, that we see 
um, all around us. And Paul speaks to something uh, similar when he talks about our groaning inside. We are all walking out the consequences of living in a world that is being wrecked by sin. Yeah. We all groan. Um, you know, every every person I, I meet that is older than me, if I say, oh, you know, my back aches today, or I can't really read that really well, they say, oh, well, wait till you're in your 50s. Wait till you're 60. Wait till you're my age. Why? Because we are all groaning inwardly while we await our adoption, the redemption of our body, yeah. and to be uh, united with Christ. Ever since sin entered God's very good creation, this has been the result of it. And so because of that treason perpetrated against a sovereign God, everything around us is eroding, yeah. including our bodies, including our DNA. Yeah. Eroding genes is a way to think of it yeah. as it's being passed down. So this loss of genetic information and perhaps genetic potential driven by mutations leads to the concept of genetic load, which is the amount of mutation in any kind that affects the ability to live and thrive in, in something's particular environment. So genetic yeah. load is, is it, how will this particular object thrive in the setting that it's supposed to thrive in. It can be in any species. It can be in human. It can be in animals. It can be in anything that has DNA. And, and while that's true. It's hard for us to look at that and go, oh, okay, so that's why people have disabilities. It's because of a genetic load. No, it's because of a breakdown in our in humanity and a breakdown that led to rebellion against God. So with the increase of a genetic load, health and sustainability then will decrease. Yeah. So the greater the genetic load, the less ability to thrive that object has. So to summarize this, our mortal bodies are all headed towards ultimate extinction without the intervention of a sovereign God, which is what we saw God do, right? Yeah. Immediately when something attacked the very good creation of God, he came in with a plan to redeem and restore. So scientifically, we look at this now and we say, okay, this genetic load caused by mutations is observable now in all organisms, but especially in mankind. So that's kind of like the science behind what happened as a result of the fall in the garden. Yeah, and it stands to reason, right? In our last episode, we mentioned this Hebrew word that we find in Genesis chapter three for the first time, arar. It means cursed. Mm -hmm. It's the result of what you just described, of the fall and of sin entering into God's very good creation. Right. And if you want to go back and listen to that episode, that was season two, episode 10. We noted that arar, this cursed mm -hmm. is the condition of all mankind right. without a path back to God. It's the condition that predicated the gospel. So why are some people born with disabilities? What does that have to do right. with this curse, with the fall? Well, what it tells us is it's not God's fault sure. because what he created was a very good humanity, mm -hmm. a very good creation. He did not desire for people to have disabilities, but the consequence of the curse on all of humanity is a fallen world. Right. But like we discussed in last week's episode, also the goodness of God is that he accomplishes his plan for yeah. his glory, whether we choose to participate or not. Mm -hmm. Now, Adam and Eve might have chosen to 
uh, go against God, to believe the word of the serpent over God, to commit treason against the Mm -hmm. creator of everything. But God immediately started putting a plan back in place. And it's a plan for spiritual redemption. Mm -hmm. And it ultimately, in the end, leads to bodily redemption. Like Paul says, we groan while we wait for that. But it doesn't get accomplished yet. So while it's not because of God that people are born with disabilities, Mm -hmm. it's because of humanity's choice to bring sin into the world, it is still through disabilities that God can accomplish His purpose. He's going to do what He intends to do. And I want us to look at an account in the book of John where we see this play out in just a really powerful way. So we're going to go to John chapter 9, and we're going to start in verse 1 at the beginning of the chapter. Speaking of Jesus here, John writes, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples said to him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So I want you to hold on to that because while disabilities entered the world as a result of sin, it is not because of individual Mm -hmm. sin that someone necessarily has a disability. And here's Jesus saying this. Well, he says, neither him nor his parents sinned. Obviously, they sinned. We've all fallen short and sinned. Yes. And... worked against God's grace, but it wasn't a specific sin that caused this man's blindness. Right. So he goes on to say, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Mm -hmm. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So, So when Jesus' disciples saw this blind man, asked Jesus who sinned to cause the disability, the man or his parents, don't miss the powerful lesson that Jesus taught about the cause of suffering and affliction. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Mm -hmm. So have you ever thought about that, that a disability is an opportunity Mm -hmm. for God's glory to be revealed? That's what he's saying here. Suffering the Bible teaches us, creates just a special space Mm -hmm. for God to be exalted in our lives, whether it's a disability or any kind of suffering that you might experience. Here's what Paul said along these lines in 2 Corinthians 12, 10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, Mm -hmm. in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. That's what God can display through us when we are physically weak, when we're emotionally weak, is that he can be our strength. So disabilities and suffering don't exist apart from opportunity. And that opportunity is to exalt the Lord. So, you know, we're answering the question today, why are some people born with disabilities a better question, if we're willing to ask it, mm-hmm. and this is hard, mm-hmm. but a better question is, how can God be glorified yes. in what has happened in the disability that someone has inherited? So a few times in this podcast, we've looked at the book of Job, and a powerful lesson that we get from the book of Job when we read that whole thing is that suffering isn't always the result of personal sin. Right. Though sin always results in suffering, right? That was Job's story. You know, he had not sinned against God and yet he was afflicted and he's got these friends who are pounding on him going, certainly you must have sinned to be afflicted in this way. And he's Mm -hmm. maintaining his innocence and God calls him innocent at the beginning of the book. So we know that's the right answer. 
But even when suffering is a result of our own sin, which is sometimes the case, we'll only move forward if we look at how it can be used for God's purposes Mm -hmm. to draw us and to draw others nearer to Him. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say this is hard to change our questioning instead of why is someone born with a disability? How can God be glorified in that disability? It's a different perspective. We're not trained or ingrained uh, to readily say, okay, this is going to glorify God and I'm going to find every avenue to glorify God in this struggle or in this disability. Instead, we by default almost act like Eve and say, well, maybe that is why is this, you know, yeah. and, and that's our natural default, but we right. do have to change our perspective. For sure. So in this account in John, Jesus granted healing to this blind man. He had a disability. Mm-hmm. Jesus sees an opportunity and the opportunity is for a testimony to be created for God's glory. So listen, we're going to keep reading starting in verse six. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him, but he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. So his testimony that Jesus created here actually went further than just proof of God's power and mercy and ability to heal. Jesus, in the specific way he healed him, actually was accomplishing a corrective purpose because Jesus could have healed this man in any way, right? A word, a look, a simple thought. I mean, if God created the entire creation, Mm -hmm. everything that exists just in a word, certainly um, God in flesh, Jesus could have healed this man however he wanted to. But he did this really specific thing. He spits on the ground and he makes mud mm-hmm. and he does it on the Sabbath. Yeah. Because Jesus had a message in the miracle. Mm-hmm. He's accomplishing a testimony through this man's disability. But beyond that, making mud on the Sabbath was a direct violation of rabbinical teaching because it was considered work, working on the Sabbath. And the religious leaders would have viewed any act of healing as work, really. But Jesus further exposed their legalism Mm -hmm. and hypocrisy, which has just been aimed at him throughout his ministry by specifically making mud to heal this man. So do you see all the ways that God is being glorified in this disability? Not only is he creating a testimony about God's healing power exhibited in Christ, but misrepresentation of God's word by the religious leaders of the time is even being corrected. And God is just receiving all the glory Mm -hmm. in all of this because of this man's disability. Now, there's still a lot more to this account. So let's read on Hmm. verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. Now, the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied. I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? Mm -hmm. So they were divided. Then they turned to the blind man. What have you to say about him? (laughs) It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? 
Is this the one who you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. The parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That's why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they Mm. said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Mm -hmm. So their accusation that Jesus wasn't from God because he didn't keep the Sabbath obviously was proved false in the testimony through this man's disability. That accusation was negated by the very miracle that Jesus did, which showed that he must indeed be from God to be able to do this. And so when the Pharisees couldn't discredit his divinity because of the miracle, Mm -hmm. then they try to discredit the miracle, deny the miracle. And even his own parents here wouldn't come to his defense because of fear of being shunned by Mm -hmm. the community Mm -hmm. if they align themselves with Jesus. And there's a really great lesson in this for all of us, whether we are affected by physical disabilities or not. Right. And it's this. When people oppose Christ working in our lives, Satan, the accuser, the enemy of our souls, wants to see us doubt ourselves. He wants to see us deny God's power, and he wants to see us retreat from our calling. But the boldness of this formerly blind Mm -hmm. man is just such a good example to us of how we should instead strengthen our testimony in Mm -hmm. the face of opposition. Now, that's that's not what this podcast is about. But we don't want to miss that lesson that this man, disabled from birth, teaches us. He didn't care what anyone said. God had worked a miracle in his life, and no one was going to take that away from him. So listen to what he says next. Verse 26, Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? (laughs) Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he has come from. Mm. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he has come from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. So there are always going to be those who want to reverse the testimony of what God has done in our lives. We've talked about this in church often, that when you come to Christ and you start pulling away from the things that are sinful that have held you in bondage to Mm -hmm. this world, all of a sudden, people who didn't care what you did before are now going... What are you doing? You're not fun now. What happened? Because they want to reverse that testimony. And those who think that they can see without the light of Jesus, what we're learning here is those are the ones who are actually blind. And that really is worse than a physical disability. And again, that's a hard thing to say, but I want you to listen to what Jesus says about this very thing. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, "'Do you believe in the Son of Man?' "'Who is he, sir?' the man asked. "'Tell me, so that I may believe in him.' Jesus said, "'You have seen him. "'In fact, 
He is the one speaking to you. (laughs) Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees were with him and heard him say this and ask, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, mm-hmm. your guilt remains. Yeah. That's a strong lesson. Physical disabilities are a result of the curse right. that humanity invited right. into this world with our rebellion against God. Mm-hmm. And yet, God can still use even these for His glory. Right. And at the end of the day, it's those who are able-bodied right. and who are not subjecting themselves, submitting themselves to the light of Jesus Christ that are worse off than the blind, the lame, or people suffering with any kind of disability that we can think of that is a result of sin's curse on this world. So those who know they're in darkness and require healing that they can't accomplish on their own, those are the people who can see. And those are the spiritual eyes that we need to have, even if we can See as clear as day. Right. I certainly can't. Without my contacts in, Same. I am totally blind. <laughs> but even with 2020 vision, right. if we're blind to that truth, then we're the ones who are worse off. We're yeah. the ones who are cursed. Well, and our guilt remains. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. Have you ever wondered what the Bible says about male and female roles in the church? Maybe you have felt unsure of how what the Bible says about this lines up with modern culture. Is it even applicable today? If you have felt this way, we encourage you to go to YouTube and search Male and Female, A Biblical Look at Gender. This is a special six-part series produced by Renew.org to help Christians navigate what the Bible says about this polarizing topic and how to apply these teachings in your context today. If you would like to listen to this series, go to your preferred podcast platform and search the Real Life Theology Podcast, and they're becoming available there as well. If you would like all this great content in book form, you can go to Amazon.com and look up Male and Female, A Biblical look at gender to purchase Renee Sproul's new book with all this great information in it. We just highly encourage you to check that out and grab a copy today as well and share this series with anybody who may be struggling with this topic, who wants more clarity about how to understand it, apply it, and follow King Jesus more clearly today. So a lot that we've talked about in this is these disabilities bringing glory to God, right? That's exactly what Jesus said that blind man's disability was meant for. That was the purpose behind it. It's exactly what the Pharisees said to him when they said, glorify God and tell us the truth. Right. And he gave the truth and that's exactly what happened. God was glorified in uh, in that testimony that Jesus created that you laid out for us. So for us today, as we now know, These are here. This is the result. This is why we see these. This is why we all groan inwardly until the return. What are we doing? What do we do with it? How do we let these be our eyes to see those around us, both physically and spiritually blind or lame or walking with disabilities, walking in the darkness who need a helping hand? How do our eyes be open to that? And what do we do with it? So the Bible gives us a really good example in the Old Testament. It's an account of a gentleman named Mephibosheth. And so this 
is from 2 Samuel chapter 9. You can also find it in 1 Chronicles 18. And here's a quick backstory. This is in the setting of King David, who we've talked a lot about um, on this podcast, so a familiar name. But in 1 Samuel 18, we read that a relationship has developed between David and the son of Saul, King Saul, his son, Jonathan. Now remember, King Saul wants to kill David. Yes, he is disillusioned about David. He is bent on um, on just wiping him out because he is grasping at the throne. And God has made it very clear to Saul, this is not yours. I'm removing you and I'm installing yeah. David. And so this pursuit happens against David. But in the midst of that, while Saul's jealousy towards David drives him into this evil acts against him, Jonathan and David develop a beautiful friendship and Jonathan was a man of honor, like David, and Jonathan loved David and risked his own life uh, to warn David about his father, King Saul's hostility and evil intentions to kill him in 1 Samuel chapter 20. He made an oath to protect David, and David swore that he would show kindness to David, to Jonathan's descendants. We read about that in 1 Samuel 20, verses 13 to 17. Now, Jonathan knew that the Lord was with David and that David would prevail, that David was going to be the installed king, the right king of Israel, the king and man after God's heart. Jonathan could have sought the throne for himself. Right. I mean, he was the king's son, but instead he did what was honorable and he didn't. He was honorable and David never forgot about it. So we're going to fast forward a little bit in spite of all of the malice and hostility and hiding in caves and running for your life and all that we read in the Psalms, this anguish that David went through because of Saul's pursuit against him. David is now on the throne. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 4. He's on the throne and it says, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. So Saul and Jonathan have died. David is now coming in as king and a very vulnerable survivor of this line of Saul is Mephibosheth. So here we have a vulnerable young boy with a disability who could have been removed. He could have been killed, his life taken from him because of his family and now this incoming royalty. But Mephibosheth's nurse had experience right? She experienced the reign of a king who was short on honor, and she likely didn't expect the new king, King David, to be a man of integrity. Right. But David had made a promise to Jonathan, Mephibosheth's father. David's integrity here was even more unlikely because it was customary in their culture and in their time for a new king to kill the descendants of the former king, basically anything that threatened their reign. Right. The very reason Saul was pursuing David. So Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, has become disabled at his nurse's attempt to save his life. Yeah. So David, remembering his promise, this covenant that he made with Jonathan, he shows all of us the same commitment and love and integrity that we can have to those who are disabled around us. David finds Mephibosheth. He goes out of his way to find the descendants of Jonathan, the descendants of Saul, and he invites him to eat at his table like one of his own sons. We see that in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 10 to 13. 
Mephibosheth was provided for as if he was a part of David's own family. Yeah. And you know, in our culture, we're taught to look out for ourselves, check, you know, make sure that you are taken care of, make sure your family is taken care of first. And honor is a foreign concept to us. Yesterday, my husband was having a conversation with a couple of other men and he was asking them, how do you measure success? And they listed tons of answers and they asked him, well, how do you measure success? And he said, I look at a man's integrity and his family. Yeah. That's how I measure success. And this account of David shows us that and gives us an an example in Scripture of how we should look at those all around us with integrity and treat them like family. So this account of David showing kindness to a disabled descendant of Saul can be difficult for us to grasp, right? We're not looking to annihilate those who threaten our power, right? right? But it is how we should act yeah. because in the same way, Christ has honored us and adopted us into his family, into yeah. God's family. So we are now co-heirs with Christ and we sit at the table with him. And one day we will sit around one big table as yeah. one family united to God as these co-heirs, just like Paul said we talked about earlier, uh, when we are no longer longing inwardly yeah. uh, as we wait on our adoption, and our sonship for his return, but, but we will sit at the table with him as one family honored with Christ. Here's what uh, we'll end this part with. Luke 14, verse 21, just the second half. Go out quickly into the streets and into the alleys of the towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. This is what Jesus calls for when he calls for that banquet that we all wait for, right? We're all longing inwardly Mm -hmm. for this return and this banquet and this marriage feast to come. But who is invited to the table? Go into the streets Go into the alleys, bring me the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And though we have been bruised by the troubles of the world, right? Though we are all walking out the result of rebellion, humanity's rebellion against God's perfect creation, one day the king is going to welcome us to sit at his table. And we get a a very quick snapshot of that every weekend here at Ecclesia, right? We come around the table. We come around the Lord's table. We partake in communion every single weekend. And we do so here at our campus with uh, our shine ministry. And so we have um, an excellent uh, host, co-host who's joining us today to talk about that ministry and how we walk out bringing alongside those uh, with disabilities to the table every weekend. Right. So at the beginning, I'm glad you mentioned this is a question that is very near and dear mm-hmm. to our hearts here at Ecclesia because of what you just described, because of this Shine ministry. So in the past couple of years with help and coaching from the Shine ministry staff at Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and also from Ryan Wolf in the Ability Ministry, we have rolled out a whole ministry mm-hmm. for people with disabilities here at our home church, Ecclesia. And so to close this episode, like Stacy said, we're going to invite Ryan Van Horn, mm-hmm. who is a leader of this ministry, and he's going to share about it with us. All right, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. If you will, just take a minute to introduce yourself and then give us an overview of the Shine Ministry here at Ecclesia, what services are offered to people and to their families mm-hmm. who have disabilities. So um, my name is Ryan Van Horn, as you know. I'm the director of the Shine Ministry. I've been doing it for about two years now, and um, it's grown exponentially in the past two years. It's been an amazing blessing. So what we offer is at 8.30, 10 o'clock, 11.30 for our children and our families, we offer buddies or mentors, as we like to call them, where a child that needs some special accommodations can have somebody go along with them, become their friend, 
become their partner as they help them adapt to classrooms, help them fit in with the rest of the class, and be able to do, access all the things we offer for all, all our other children. So we also have our adult ministry, which is at 1130. It's our shine service, which is for teenagers and adults with disabilities and special needs. And they have their own service over here in our shine auditorium that allows them to learn at their level, allows them to lead in worship, allows them to lead in prayer and communion and at so many different aspects. And it's just an amazing blessing. That is incredible. And this is pretty unique. It's not a ministry that we see offered at many churches. So will you just recap for us, how did this even come into being at Ecclesia? Well, that really just comes back to Pastor Matt. I mean, this was his passion. I actually have no background in this, which I think is inspirational to other churches that yes. want to jump into this. Is like, I have no background at all. I was a lawyer up in Charlotte before this. So it's didn't take any special skills outside of compassion hard work, love, and gentleness. And it started with Matt asked me, hey, we're doing this. Do you want to be a part of it? And I said, yes. So I meant God just opened a door that was never expected. That's an incredible testimony. And it it goes along so well with something we talk about on this podcast all the time, God being able to be glorified through Mm -hmm. us. And we even mentioned that today in Paul's writing. It's in our weakness, in our lack of knowing how to do, do something that God really can show up and accomplish something for His glory. So the Shine ministry here has been a pretty large-scale undertaking that involved buying and renovating a building, uh, creating a Shine ministry worship space. We saw this idea modeled when we traveled to Southeast Christian Mm -hmm. Church in Louisville, Kentucky, when this was an idea in our hearts and minds, a calling that we felt God giving us. Um, And for anyone who wants to do that, we would absolutely recommend go there, see what they're doing, let them model it for you the way that they did for us. But Ryan, speak to the church that is not looking for something that massive. They're not looking to purchase and renovate a building. They're just going, how can I see God glorified through disabilities with the resources we have available to us right now? Well, that's the amazing thing about it. It's it's you can take it step by step, piece by piece. It's first starting with the families you have right there. Like, what what can you do to help them? Like, just like any other part of the body, it might ha- have a different answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's just, it looks a little bit differently. But if you have children with special needs, get some older people or some teenagers or just anybody that has a passion to come alongside them, be a friend, help disciple them. Like, it's it's not complicated. And that's where it's really cool is what we did is Ryan Wolf and Ability is like, we're not walking this for the first time. There's so many people have done it before us that want to help. They are passionate about helping other churches start programs like this. Yeah, definitely cannot say enough good about Ryan Wolf and the Ability Ministry. They sent uh, training for us, helped our teams think about the things that we might not have thought of, mm-hmm. like you said, because oh, we yeah. don't have a background in this. Yeah. So great resource available to churches there. Ryan, what's been the greatest fruit or some of the greatest fruit? I'm sure there's lots that yeah. you've seen grow out of this ministry. That's, that's hard to nail down because there's so much. It's so, And kind of look at two different ministries almost because there's the adults and the kids. Mm-hmm. And with the adults, it's just I don't think a single one of them was in church regularly before this. Wow. Like, and now we're up to almost 15 that are here every Sunday that, that are building connections, that are, are learning about Jesus on a whole new level and that you're seeing the changes in their lives. 
And just through them, it's starting to reach their families. So a lot of them are, are church hurt in some way. They, they feel like their kids were neglected or left out, and they, mm-hmm. don't, they don't want to come back to church. But us continually loving on their kids is starting to change that. So, Yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that. I have a friend with a daughter who has major disabilities, and she has said, I don't want to go to church because people look at me. Mm-hmm. I don't feel welcome there. I'm definitely not accommodated there. And man, when, when you shared that scripture at the end of Jesus saying, go out into the streets, mm-hmm. bring the lame, bring the blind, when those are the people Jesus is calling to the banquet table, what a tragedy yeah. if the church yeah. isn't loving them well. And, and that's where like First, First Corinthians 12 is one of my favorite passages that applies to this ministry. It's like, we're all one body. Yeah. And, and you can't have part of the body and not another part. Yeah. Like, yeah. And this is part of the body that often just is left out. And it's sad, but that's where it's changing and it's growing. And it's, they're starting to feel that they are a part of the body and not just a, a piece, not just an accessory or an appendage. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. They are an integral part. Yes. So in today's episode, as we've unpacked, what does the Bible say about this? We looked at a, a man who was blind from birth, an account in John chapter 9, and how Jesus said through that man's disability, God had purposed to create a testimony for mm-hmm. his glory. And so we know that while disabilities are a result of the curse on the whole world mm-hmm. because of humanity's sin, uh, they are not to be looked at as a consequence of an individual sin, yeah. but rather an opportunity for God's glory to be created, for a testimony to be made that's going to point people toward Christ. Ryan, is there any testimony from the Shine Ministry that you would like to share? I think the, the biggest one is just these, these moms that come in that just to this past month, we've had come in that have little children that are nonverbal, that can't, they just, they don't fit into the normal classroom well. So we, and I actually left this out at the very beginning is we actually started our shine class for kids just this past month. Okay. So with just one kid, we're like, fine, we're going to start it. We have one kid that needs this. We need a structured learning environment that, that fits him. So we are already up to three children and possibly four next week. That's amazing. And this mom's like, she hasn't been to church in years because her child can't fit in. Like, and they are, they came to ice cream social on Saturday and had a blast, like making friends, playing with other children. And now they're starting to fit into the classroom where they can learn about Jesus and their parents can get to church as well. Like, yeah. And so needed. One of the things that struck me the hardest in the preparation for the launch of this ministry here was learning how high the divorce rate is Mm -hmm. for parents of children with disabilities because they're often lacking that kind of support. They don't have the support of a church family around them, and so they don't know where to turn. Yeah, No, the the divorce rate is over 90% for families with with children with disabilities. It's astronomical. And part of it is that's why we do respite nights, trying to do them once a month, is they don't get dates. So I've had more than one parent come to me. I was like, hey, how often, when's, last your de- when's your last date? We don't do this. We don't go on dates. That's yeah. just not part of our lives. We don't, like, they don't take a break from their children because they don't trust anybody with them. So right. being able to build that relationship with them over a regular basis allows us to really pour into their lives and help them pour into each other. That's a great, great thing that your special needs ministry offers, if you're watching and considering doing this with your church that your special needs ministry can offer, just respite nights. Yeah. Just give mom and dad a minute to go out and enjoy one another. Yep. Yep. Doesn't 
I mean, maybe if the child has a, a health issue, then you might want to have some medical staff on, on, on yeah. hand. But generally, it's just people that can work with a child, could be patient and loving. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you being here and sharing all that. And again, we just want to encourage anyone who is watching or listening to this who may be feeling uh, God calling you to this yeah. to take some next steps. I guess a great first step, Ryan, would be... Ryan Wolf. Ryan I Wolf. Cannot- cannot say enough for what he's done for Ryan us. Wolf with the Ability Ministry. Do you have that website? Uh, uh, it's abilityministry.com. Abilityministry.com yeah. is a great starting point. You can certainly reach out to us here at Ecclesia Christian Church in Conway, South Carolina. We're happy to walk alongside and answer any questions that you may have. But um, let what we've taken from God's Word today inspire you to create a testimony for God's glory through disabilities, and yeah. through how we're treating people and inviting them to this banquet table that we're all blessed yeah. to sit at through Christ. And I would say go read 1 Corinthians 12 and really pray about that because you can't read that and ignore this demographic. Like, Good point. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't say if you're feeling called. Like, yeah. the truth is... We're called. We're like, called. Yeah. That's who's Right. And so if we want to join them, we need to be walking that commission. So thank you all so much for joining us. We hope this podcast has been helpful and eye-opening today, and we hope that you'll join us again next week where we'll unpack more answers from God's Word.